Vlad here, the host of Burgundy Radio. Shortly after we recorded our episode on December 12th, the Colorado Avalanche season was put on pause just before that episode was scheduled for release. Shortly thereafter, I came down with an illness that delayed the release of that episode, as well as subsequent episodes recorded afterward. As a result, the contents of this episode may seem dated now that so much time has passed, but we hope you enjoy it all the same. We at Burgundy Radio appreciate your support and listenership, and we look forward to bringing you more regularly scheduled content. So please enjoy this episode of Burgundy Radio, Tales from the Infirmary, Volume 1. This episode of Burgundy Radio is brought to you by the law firm of Ananin Kemper & Associates. Justice is served. And they have the extra player on, and eventually this puck's going to make its way to the net. That tip right there. Landeskog over to Taves. That pass right through the crease. And this puck looked like it went out of the zone. A shot and a goal. The game is tied at five. Remember, the whole puck has to come out, right? It can't just be a little, you know. Nine-tenths of it. The whole thing must come out. There's got to be white ice between that puck and the blue line. And it looked like there was. Here's the decision. After coaches' challenge, video reviews determined that the play was offside. Therefore, we have no goal. Heads off to the bench, and the extra attacker is on for the Colorado Avalanche. A minute 30 to go in regulation. The captain, Landis Cog, over to Taves. Nathan McKinnon, Thames, shoots, scores! Can you believe it? This game is tied! Trying to steal, and he does. Nichuskin leaves it for McKinnon. A pass across. Brady Kachuk got there, and now he's off to the races. Brady Kachuk, breakaway, shoots, scores! Brady Kachuk! Ready to go. And Flyers first game under Mike Hill is underway as Cross back around behind and out the other side to Giroux. Fanned on it and it's picked up by O'Connor. And look out. O'Connor with Eric Johnson. O'Connor with a puck. Makes the pass to Johnson. Save by. No, it's in. It's in. They score. Thought Jones had it. It's in the net. Another shorthanded goal for the Avalanche. Their sixth of the year as Eric Johnson ties the game at one. Here's McKinnon. Right up the middle, McKinnon off of the left wing. Quick shot, Landis Goggy scores. Another laser, and the captain. This is the second unit. Got the talent of most first units. There's a shot, score! May have changed direction. Newhook took the original shot, 
It is a power play goal, 3-1 Colorado. Here's the shot again, the new hook and the stick right there of Braun. Look at this rolling puck as it just kind of spins off the blocker of Jones. He can't come up with the stop. Well, so we're going to break team Alex Newhook. His fifth. His assist number 49. Samuel Gerard. Low with number seven. Look at the skating ability of Makar. And he goes and he scores! From one end to the other and then a beautiful shot. Makar with all of his skill on display there and it's 4-1 Avalanche. And I to TK quickly. Lindblom, he scores! Oscar Lindblom at long last as his first of the season. It's four to two. That has to feel so good for that kid. Pierre out to Yandel across to Connecty. Connecty back across to Rue. He scores! A power play. Go on the one-timer. Now the puck bounces into the slot. Turn around, Jet, and they score. Nachuskin able to beat Jones. And it's 5-3, Colorado. Sanheim keeps it in, back to Hayes, in front, score! Atkinson! It's 5-4, Atkinson! Braun chopped at it, comes back to him, and the back end didn't get all of it. It's tipped, it's still kept in by Ranton, and across the shot, they score! Kadri able to get the goal. The Flyers had the chance to clear it, couldn't get it done, and the Avalanche make them pick. Off the icing as they really handle sort of plating does play and loses it in front. They score. Jost able to score off the feed from Magna after he took it away. Avalanche will pick up the victory as they play it out to center ice. Kadri with a pass to Rantanen who scores. Miko Rantanen, the man we talked about right at the top. Panarin. Outside, dribble with a shot, he scores! To Lundquist for the shot, he scores! McKinnon, one-hander, poked it in! Nathan McKinnon! It looked like he had lost control, but he poked it past Adam Huska to tie it in two. It's a fabulous goal. Now McCarr with a wrist shot, and score! New hook with a shot, he scores! And McKinnon moves in and shoots and scores! It's Logan O'Connor! Logan O'Connor rips a shot! Up high on Adam Huska and it's 5-2! This has just been a dominating period by Colorado. And now a bad change by the Rangers. And O'Connor gets to it and goes to the net and scores! Landis Gog almost had a breakaway. Here's Lafreniere moving in. In the middle. He scores. Obey Kubel to Eric Johnson for a shot. They score. Final seconds tick off. And that's it. The Avalanche defeat the Rangers 7-3. to We are underway here at Ball Arena as the Wings with the draw on Letty. We'll set it to the ab zone, played behind the cage by Kemp. McCarr finds tape straight away, wrist shot, SCORE! I believe it was deflected, I'm not sure what it went off of, but Devon Taves, from way downtown, continues to rip that puck. I'm gonna say that's JT Crocker. too, I think it went off the shaft of his stick. New hook, dangling, new hook gives it off, one-timer, SCORE! Circle and rips it in 
inside the near post pass Grice. The Avs have a 2-0 lead for Burakovsky. There by Valda Burakovsky and then that Alex Newhook, man does he have quick hands. He was going from the net for the quick little pass over to Burakovsky. Look at the flex on that stick. He's had one goal his last nine games. Stalk his nose and now Jack Johnson with a wrap up on Larkin. Larkin got punished. Here's Obi Kubel. The Habs just exploding out of their own zone. A breakaway for Helm. He'll shoot and score. Darren Helm rips one past the blocker of Grice. He burns his former team. And the Habs have exploded for three goals here in period number one. They've got a 3-0 lead. What a slick little pass from Abe Kubel. Look at that little sauce pass. Helm comes in. He just put 14 years in the rear view mirror right there folks that's where he spent it all that time with detroit that sweet little backhand pass and it's damage control time for detroit here Moj. yeah the abs have chased tomas grice already here in period number one swings it off push down deep backhanded what a save shot what a save by darcy kepper oh he's doing kepper stuff now that's what you want if you're the colorado avalanche and ball arena is on fire Burakovsky through traffic, walks in. Andre had it stripped away, and it's a two-on-one for Detroit back the other way. Here they come into the zone. Suter looks in. Centering pass, shot, score. Vladislav Nemesnikov able to pull it home with under a minute to go in period number one. And the Wings get one back. It's now a 3-1 game. Got a hit by Valeno. Backhand flip, score. Oh, no. The Red Wings have made it a 3-2 game as Darcy Kemper, I believe, would like to have that one back. Stuffed up top for Landeskog, far side, one-timer, he scores! Nathan McKenna at the top of the circle. Rips one past Nadelkovich, and the Avs do get it back. A 38-second answer by the Avs, out in front, backhand, and score! Right off the faceoff, his second of the night, Andre Burakovsky, a little day. And the Avs have pushed the lead back to three goals. Burakovsky's eighth goal earlier, his ninth goal right now. Oh, good God! Oh, my God. Gerard. One-timer score. Philip Aronik rams it inside the near post. It's now a 6-3 game. That's a power play goal. And Veronica just loses third of the season. Quick centering pass knocked away. McCarr, he'll send it all the way down and he will score. Kale McCarr with an empty net goal. His 12th of the season. So the Avalanche will improve to 32 points. They've now won six in a row with Ball Arena. They put 48 shots on the Red Wings goalies. And they win by a final score of 7-3. to three. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! Greetings, one and all, near and far, reaching your ears wherever you are. Welcome to Burgundy Radio. I am Vlad, your host of Burgundy Radio. Joining our starting lineup is Tiger Vixen. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Also joining our starting lineup today is Earl of Six. Earl, what's new? The abs are good. I'm sure of it. All right. 
When we last grace your digital airwaves, the Avs were getting set to wrap up their Canadian portion of their five-game road trip against the Senators in Ottawa. After getting on the board early by a goal by Darren Helm, the Avs would give up two goals in the span of 29 seconds before Gabe Landeskog would tie the game minutes later. Ottawa would then rattle off two more goals in a minute 36, thus ending the night for Jonas Johansson and giving Justus Ananen his first taste of NHL goaltending. Unfortunately, a miscarriage of justice put the Avs down by three before the halfway mark of regulation. However, the Avs would rally on goals by Alex Newhook, Tyson Jost, and Devon Taves with the extra attacker late in the third period to tie the game at five before Senators captain Brady Kachuk took a bite out of the Avs' comeback hopes on a misplay by Nathan McKinnon, beating Annanen on a nifty shot to seal the game for a 6-5 victory for Ottawa. I credit the comeback for the Avs in this one, and I'm willing to give JoJo a little bit of slack on his play in net going against an Ottawa team that isn't really a slouch, as most of the play in front of him wasn't exactly up to par. What say either of you? Well, I would like to present a working title for this episode as every game is exactly the same. (laughs) Obviously, this one was the one that was a little different with the loss and then also Ottawa scoring more than three. (laughs) Um, This one was really weird. I had to remember back a week. At least we're not talking about six games this time. But, um... This was that really, really stupid call with Johansson pushed into the net by Jack Johnson and Dutzla at the same time. And then the puck trickling behind the mess of bodies somehow counted as a goal, which I think is wrong. It's a complete (laughs) wrong interpretation of the rule. Like, I understand the spirit of the rule that the defending player can't just knock the net off or cause something that knocks the net off and there's no goal because or else they would try that all the time. But there wasn't a goal being created. Stutzla just drove the net. He didn't even shoot the puck. And then he lost all of the because he was being pushed. So... It just makes no sense to me how the rule is then, how you interpret the rule to say that's an assumed goal and it would have counted had this collision not happened, which completely takes the goaltender out of the play too, that he had no opportunity to show that he could save this puck or not. So it was was one of those things where if it could go wrong, it will go wrong in this game. And it, did sort of foreshadow it. At least the abs came back. They did get two six on five goals. The first one was called off, which I agree with. It pretty it was offside. I mean, let's be real. But it's funny that they just were like, okay, we'll try again. And then they got it. The abs are so good at six on five this year. It's like the little magic secret. Um, we'll see if it ends up mattering by the end of the season or not. So This one was really weird where I remember saying, I think a point is about what they deserve. Like they played so poorly at certain points of this game, but then they also came back. They had to score three to even get it to overtime. So they did a good job doing that, earning the point. And then it just felt like it wasn't their game to win. And McKinnon throwing a stupid pass to Taze 
and over time it just gets picked off and then Ananin doesn't save it. So I kind of felt bad for Johansson that he was pulled in this game because it wasn't really his fault. And it seemed like they wanted to give Ananin a role than just give him a start. I don't really see how coming in halfway through the game for your NHL debut is like better or easier for a goalie. So, but it was good. He got that experience then for the next game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think Bednar pulled Jojo because the team was just crapola. Yeah. Um, And I get it. It's part of like a wake up call and, you know, Johansson yeah. wasn't like amazing. I wouldn't say it was his fault, but he was far from amazing. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't have pulled him in that one. I think if they were going to do it, they should have done it in Toronto when he. That was probably the worst of the games that he played. But you know, what ifs? Yeah. Lots of what ifs. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Annan looked pretty good in that game. Uh, you look at the power play goal he let up, like he was he was a foot off of where he should have been to make that save. Um, you know, important tip. Learn to know where your posts are a little better, but But we've seen any- that with the Eagles too. Like and it's hard to say because especially in the AHL the penalty kill breaks down, but he did give up like a lot of power play goals in the AHL. Yeah. But I mean that was just that was a positioning area. I mean, he was, you know, I, I don't think he was where he thought he was, and maybe part of that is just still an adjustment to North American angles and whatnot. But um, you know, I think they wanted to be more aggressive too. Like I think I think he plays kind of non-aggressive, and um, I don't know if that's more of an over reliance on his size, but. You know, things to yeah. work on. Well, and then, but, like, EJ slid in front of him, and it's like, look, <laughs> you don't need to do that with, with Juice because he's going to save everything low. It's what you, you worry about up high with him. So, you know, challenge yeah, exactly. the shooter, and that, that goal probably doesn't go in. But it's neither here nor there. Like, the the overtime debacle, um, you know, I, I, I think part of that's on Taves for doing a stupid pinch anyway. I mean, like exactly what happened is why he shouldn't have gone where he did. Um, well, yeah, somebody needs to be back or else it's just right. Uncontested breakaway. So yeah. sure. I'm not going to, you're never going to really fault the goalie for that. Like the other team has good shooters. Right. And McKinnon passing to him, like, like he's the one who should have realized the danger. Like, you know, if toes makes a bad pinch and, um, you know, Mac doesn't pass it to him. Hey, no foul. You know, but <laughs> he did. So, not not crisp. Um, but hey, and the Abs were in catch up mode. Like Ottawa didn't have a whole lot of threatening uh, offense in the second half of that game. They were definitely trying to lock it down and trying to win. Well, I mean, the Abs were they were really taking it to them, and you know, I mean, they scored some nice goals. I mean, like. You know, both the six on five goals, the one that counted and the one that didn't, those are both nice. Like, New Hook's uh, breakaway was awesome. So, oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, that it was the breakaway, that one was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty and cool. It, 
it's funny that he went through the four players and it's like, McKinnon's like, God damn it. Why? <laughs> I try this all the time. <laughs> through four players, it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, th- there, there was some fun in that game. I, I, I agree that like they probably deserved a point and we all know it's tough beating a team twice in two weeks. Um, you know, it's always going to be a struggle winning that second game, no matter what the records are. So, and Ottawa's been on a decent roll. Like, um, I think that was two out of three in a row for them. I think they lost one, but then they shut out Tampa yesterday. So they've sort of got something going. Yeah, I think much was said on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast how they hadn't put together like a three game winning streak yet. And I think that was the game that got it done. Yeah, it was either like two or three of three, and then they lost one, but. Um, so good for them. I like their young talent. I've said that before. So if they can find some success, that's cool. They got a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they've got some nice players. I also think it was funny that Benar said about Annan coming in that it was like low pressure situation, but okay, now you're in a tied game and you you have to play in overtime. I just thought that was kind of funny. It's like, I you mean, guys didn't pull the plug, so why are you acting like it's a... Uh... Well, I mean, it kind of was. I mean, they were down 4-2 when he came in, and then, you know, the power play thing happened. So, I mean... <clears throat> you know, that that's... I, I would much rather see him go into that game than, like, be up 3-1 or something like that. Um, I guess I guess you look at it that way, but I mean, he was the guy out there in overtime, so he was there for the deciding, yeah, goal. But I feel like after this game, it was a little bit frustrating, just because. Well, they beat Montreal, and Montreal's not good. Sorry, Earl. And and then you look back at that Toronto game, and they were still having their defensive issues. And I think after the games we're going to talk about next, we feel a little bit better about this team. Not necessarily that they've been amazing defensively either, but it's nice when you can outscore your problems. So, yeah. And, you know, and, and I largely agree, you know, the, the Avs really didn't play like they should have won this game outright, but, uh, Certainly a point seems fair, even if it is literally the loser point in this situation. And they could have just packed it in and said, nope, not our night. But of course, that really hasn't been the team's MO for at least the last few seasons. There are They have shown that ability to try to come back and make a game of things. And I know that was something that was a topic that's been made a lot of discussion over with the playoffs, how they just kind of didn't have that. So it's good to see these kinds of tests, especially against uh, opponents where you're not, you know, going to have that kind of familiarity and you already have that one game in the bag where they had that, you know, racetrack game the week before here in Denver. And it, which was a pretty kind of a, you know, back and forth thing. And the Avs managed, you know, they fell behind in that one too. And it was Newhook that got that uh, go ahead goal then. So 
to Earl's point, yeah, it's tough to win both games in a series like that. Yeah, when they're really close together, I mean, it's, um, you know, especially when it's it's a team you don't see much. It's, you know, it's a, it's a very tournament kind of feel. Um, but plus, if you're the team that wins the first game, it's like how much, you know, how much are you going to change if you feel like the success was earned? Um, so it's it's basically down to what the other team can change to do better. Um, and I, I, I think... I think Ottawa is definitely a little bit more dangerous in the second game. Um, but, you know, again, I I didn't like at least two of JoJo's goals against. Um, so, you know, there there were some issues there too. But, I'm, you know, it, it's not worth what I think about that either. Right, and to that point about what do you change? Well, if you're the Avs, just wait a game because somebody's going to get hurt and put out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like they never have to change the lineup because they want to, right? It's always forced changes. So the Avs would return to the U.S. two nights later, where the Dogs of War would be unleashed in Philadelphia, literally, where the Avs would follow the lead of a friendly canine companion that paid a visit during pregame skate and promptly would take a squat all over the Flyers for a 7-5 victory, paving the way for Eustace Andenin to earn his first career victory. Eric Johnson, Gabe Landeskog, Alex Newhook, Kale McCarr, Valeri Nichushkin, Nazem Kadri, and Tyson Jost all contribute for the touchdown. I felt the box score was a lot closer than the play on the ice indicated. That being said, I did not get a chance to see most of this game just due to the early start time. Uh, what did you two think about how things went in this game? I mean, the first period was total chaos. Uh, I mean, the Avs came out and they were... You know, the, the Flyers were on a back-to-back where they just fired their coach. And, um, you know, they, they came out a little flat. Um, they did score first, but then the Avs scored four straight goals. And you're like, you know, smooth sailing. Um, you know, but then, then the Flyers scored two more to end the first period. Um, probably a little bit. A little of that is Annanen's youth and ex- inexperience. But... Um, you know, it it made it a more interesting game, let's say. Um, but they settled down in the second period. I think second period only one goal scored as uh, Nichushkin. Um, and then the third period they kind of locked it down pretty good. So what they needed was more of an uneventful period, I think. Yeah, and it should have been over. I think that was the Makar power play goal where he just he pretty much just skated through everybody like. Yeah, it was on the power play, but it wasn't like set up. <laughs> it yeah. was uh, well, because like they had a, a bunch of zone entries right before that, and they kept bouncing off the blue line. McCarr's just <laughs> like, screw it, I'm not back passing. He just skates through everybody and scores. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just ridiculous when he does stuff like that. It's just like, okay, Kale McCarr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's you know you did look at that like when it was four one, you're like, oh wow, you know what a game this. This one's over. Um, but <clears throat> I, I think a lot of people are piling on Ananen for that game and saying he's not ready. And like, yeah, he's not ready. He's still young. Still doesn't have any experience or whatnot. I, I, I feel a lot better about what he showed in both this game and in the Ottawa game than, than I guess most people do. Well, it really depends on what happens from here, right? 
it I'm glad that they quit while they were ahead and just left him with the win and everything and like leave it on a positive note rather than waiting until he you know had a bad game or whatever and obviously Kemper being ready plays into that as well but if he wasn't I would have played Johansson in the next game I think yeah I mean the game and a half was about enough for yeah and the Rangers are not the kind of team you want a young goalie against because they're I mean I think they're kind of frauds as, as Steph likes to say um but fraud or not, they what they do do well is score um, and shoot. So that's that's just not a situation where I would be comfortable with that. It just really depends on what their idea for Annan is from here on out. Like they have played him a ton in Loveland, so I think they are committed to getting him ready. I guess for something, but I. At what point are they going to commit to him? And obviously, this is definitely a down-the-road conversation, but we've seen this before, I guess, is my point. You bring in the young goalie, he he has some good, some bad, and you want to build on it, and it seems like they don't. But hopefully they don't need him again. I mean, he's clearly the fourth. If they get to the number four again, we have some big problems. We have big problems all so. the time, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it's not going to happen either, but there's always a chance. <laughs> but it was nice he got a start. Obviously, it's. I think it's just huge for a goalie knowing it's your game and the preparation and everything. And then, of course, to hold on for the win. I think it, it shouldn't have come to seven to five in that game, and of course, it wasn't all his fault. They obviously have been playing very inconsistent in front of their goaltending. So, and that go- that's across the board for everybody. I don't, I don't think we've had a really consistent stretch of goaltending, but we've also had pretty inconsistent defending. So, it's it's kind of both their problems. Yeah. But it was good to get out of this Flyers game with a win. It really felt like a trap game with. AV finally getting fired and just everything. They'd lost, what, like eight in a row going into that game. It it was just like... If they had replaced him with a real coach instead of Mike Hill, I would have been worried. Because <laughs> we all know that they have a talented team and it's just their coaching's been holding him back. And it, they didn't change anything. They just promoted the bad assistant coach to take the bad head coach's spot. Didn't they say that they were in on Boudreau? So it was kind of like when they couldn't get him they need to do something in in term basis. I don't think that's their long-term idea is just to use Yo, but who knows? The Flyers. I mean, Yo was Fletcher's coach in Minnesota, so... (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) It is sad. I like a lot of their players, too. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we as fans are robbed every time the Flyers play by having bad coaching like that. Because they 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 could be a very fun team. I mean, they could have kept Obey Cabell and been even more fun. I mean, I think it's obvious from what he's shown coming over from the Flyers that you know he wasn't used properly, probably wasn't coached properly. Bit by bit, he's just showing more and more that 
you know, he can play that role and be good at it. Yeah, I don't be a lot more than he was there. And I like him. I'm like, what is wrong with me? A waiver claim, and I like this guy, but it's true. Like he's fit in so well, but he brings a little bit different element. And then like the skill ceiling, I'm not expecting like top six or anything, but the stuff he was doing in that last game against Detroit was like, like actual real offense generation kind of stuff. Like some great passes, some great scoring chances. I'm like, what has gotten into this guy? He can actually do this kind of stuff. Like he's. Yeah, raising... I think it's honestly going to take a while to pound the flyers out of him. <laughs> like he's <laughs> actually raising the ceiling of the bottom six. Yeah. Which I mean, you think about like you know fourth liners of the past that the Avs have had, and they they really haven't had a guy like that that actually has some skill. Yeah, that's exactly what they needed. So, I don't know if it was a happy accident or somebody they really had pegged, and then when he became available. But however, they arrived at that decision, I think it's been a really good one. Yeah, I mean, I think they were lucky that at that point they were sort of at a low point in the season and they were low enough in the waiver claims that they could get a guy like that. Because, I mean, I don't think he would have made it through too many teams past the avalanche either yeah i know like one of the the insiders said that other teams are looking so yeah it's possible and what well, the abs are like 20th at that point <laughs> right so i would yeah i mean if if you look at sort of he's a guy that like if you're you know if you're a bad team um, that's not going to make the playoffs and, you know, you're kind of rebuilding like, yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, he's good. He's not that tempting though, but you know, for, for a good team that's looking for depth, that's, you know, that's kind of exactly the type of player you want. He's definitely better than who they would have traded for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, keep it up. Uh, it would have been nice to see him score against the Flyers, but there'll be another game down the line. And I know the penalties thing is probably his drawback. And we've said before, like a lot of them are aggression penalties. So you live with some of them. He could cut a few down, but they do need somebody to play yes. a little bit physical or gritty or whatever. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> brought the grit brought the grit from Philly the Avs would wrap up the road trip at Madison Square Garden to face the New York Rangers in a marquee matchup between two of the game's biggest defensemen in Adam Fox and Kale McCarr round one of this matchup would go to Kale who would register an assist as the Avs would hand the Rangers their first loss in eight games taking the victory by a score of 7-3 Fox for the record was uh, held pointless Miko Rantanen with a pair of goals, Nathan McKinnon, Nazem Kadri, Alex Newhook, Logan O'Connor with two back-to-back goals in this one. Darcy Kemper would make his return to the crease, missing the last few games with injury, stopping 26 of 29 shots, but wasn't able to stop another equipment malfunction, which would send him again to the locker room briefly for repairs. Jonas Johansson would come in in relief, blanking the Rangers during Kemper's absence. The Avs, unfortunately, would lose Nazem Kadri during this game. But overall, uh, 
road trip successful, but thoughts on the Makar Fox battle. I didn't really think either of them were like the main storyline as far as like how the game played out, but it was funny looking even further into Fox's night, like his analytics are really poor. I think he had like 12% expected goals. So you could say Makar won this battle because the team won or he had the points, but he also won the analytic battle there. And I know that's one thing that a lot of the Fox proponents try to argue for him. And it's one game, right? Like everyone's going to have bad analytics from time to time. But to me, I thought that part was the funniest. Yeah, I mean, he had a tough task. He was asked to, you know, be be the top defenseman out there and, and go up against the Avs top line, and that's always difficult. Um, so I I don't think head to head you really noticed. You know, it's it's you know it's it's not like a quarterback going against an all pro cornerback or something like that. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you kind of watch as the game progresses, sort of where each guy was. Uh, you know, I didn't. I wouldn't say it was a game that that Kale just overshined him or anything like that. But you know, the Avs got the win and scored a whole bunch of goals again. Um, <clears throat> this game was interesting because I mean, the first period, the Avs just had the puck the entire time. I think they outshot the Rangers like twenty to ten or something like that. Uh, but they were losing. And then the second period, they just come out and score at will. Um, and that was fun. Yeah, I mean, so, McKinnon finally got his real goal, which was... He finally got his real goal. <laughs> <laughs> which is sort of funny. I think he sort of just like slap shot. Not a slap shot, but sort of a, in a weird slap pass but it was actually a shot kind of thing and it went five hole and that was pretty funny but you know the Rangers had a tough task in this game they were on the back to back they put in Chicago the night before had to travel in they were playing their AHL goalie so I probably do expect a lot better effort from them this coming week but like you said that second period was nice that McKinnon scored O'Connor scored twice in like 20 seconds which is it wasn't even shorthanded. It was kind of absurd, but that's when you knew this game was over. Like you give up a goal, two goals in 20 seconds is bad anyway, but it's basically, you know, not McKinnon or Miko or anything like that. It's turn off the lights, not your night. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt bad for their goalie. I mean, obviously that he didn't get the kind of support in front of him. Maybe he wanted, but. Um, and I remember him. He he's from UConn, um, so we we've sort of seen him watching hockey East games over the years. Um, you know, I I think he's better than he showed in that game. Well, he was good early on, especially when they had the lead, and then before the dam broke. So yeah, it's not like he just came out and was terrible or anything. No, it's just it's sort of the abs. Um, scoring at will now. I really know how they do it because, in a way, you do feel like it's going to dry up. Which, so- in a way, sounds silly to say. Like, 
these players are who they are and they're a very offensive team, a very skilled team, but they do have their moments where they go through dry spells. <clears throat> and also, uh, uh, Landy had a fight his second and I think this. Oh yes. The, the McKinnon hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny because I had watched that game with the Rangers playing Chicago the night before when he hit Kara. I think that's how you say his last name yeah. and it it sent him to the hospital like i think he has a neck injury or i know he was released but i don't know how close he is to playing again and i felt like it was a dirty hit at that time and i know those open ice hits are really tough to judge because where's the arm where's the point of contact things like that but i thought that was an illegal hit and it was penalized then Truba comes back the very next night, hits McKinnon the exact same way. And McKinnon was pulled by the concussion spotters, had to go to the room, came back. He's okay now, so thankfully for that. He didn't get injured, but I don't see it as a legal open ice hit, in my view. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the argument, like, if you take that hit out of hockey, you're taking all the hits out of hockey kind of thing. I, I don't think it's as dire as that, but, um, you know, you, you do want to be able to have some open ice hits. And when you have a guy that's really tall, like Truba, and hitting guys that aren't as tall, it's tough for him to squat down and use his shoulder to drive right through the chest instead of, you know, making a, a normal hit, which you know, with the follow through is going to eventually at least touch the head. And that's um, the part you know, where... I, I don't know what you do about this. I, I think that it's something the NHL has struggled with. I don't think they care that much about it, but oh, they don't care about they, they... shots. They really don't. <laughs> and that's, that's the exact thing where I think the distinction is between the point of contact and not the point of contact, because it's true if you're hitting a guy in the shoulder or the high chest area, you probably will touch the head at some point, but it can't be yeah. the point of contact. And I've seen a really good angle that McKinnon hit and the top of Truba's shoulder is what hits McKinnon in the jaw. That is the point of impact, not because he hit his shoulder and then, then the head kind of gets hit by the arm. And I believe that these Hits can be legal. Like Zadorov had a lot of good open ice hits that were not head contact, did not injure guys. And that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see a nice big hit and you want to see the guy pop up. Everything's fine. And it is possible. Yeah. I mean, Troop has been a dirty bastard ever since he was playing for Winnipeg and we all know this. Um, it's just funny. You know, I, I, I don't think he shies away from, oh, maybe I might get this guy's head. Um, well, it's part of being so, in the gray area because a lot of the time, gray area stuff doesn't get called. So yeah. the player, and not even just talking about open high stuff, I'm talking about everything, is if you have gray area players, more often than not, they're going to get off scot-free. And the time that they don't, you just live with it. I don't necessarily think that's a bad type of player. It's just what you have to understand if you play that way. So, but I don't like guys getting hit in the head. For me, that's the worst part of it. But yeah. 
it's just no. It'd be nice if you could have big open ice hits and and not a big threat of a concussion. And we know, you know, from watching enough college hockey that that full cages do not help this. Uh, there's a there's lot not... of nasty, nasty head hits in the in right. play. And do they happen more because that's the way that that they need to be physical? Do they happen more because? Uh, we see it in the AHL. It's just younger players, less experience. There's more recklessness. So you're just going to find guys in more awkward positions. It's it happen more that way. But yeah, the NCAA is really nasty about it. Yeah. So it's the, the, I don't think there's an easy solution to it. I, I don't think there's a way that, that you can train players not to make that hit. Um, so it's just it's something you have to live with. You know, it's it's great that McKinnon defied all odds and actually wasn't injured on that play. So let's take it. Yeah, take that as a positive. But I just can't say that that hit was quote unquote clean. I mean, I guess what you want to say between clean, dirty, like was it predatory? Was it intended to hurt? I'm not going to quite go there, but he knew what he was doing. I mean, you don't have a guy that had that kind of hit with such an unfortunate result happened less than 24 hours prior and the guy makes the exact same hit again like it is reckless but that's the way that he wants to hit and sometimes a lot of times it works out for him i guess but it still wasn't legal in my opinion but the nhl doesn't care about legal (laughs) i'm reluctant to put this energy out there but we saw something similar when uh Byron made his return to the lineup and we thought he was fine. And now we haven't seen him since that brief return. I'm hopeful that McKinnon will be okay and that he'll be able to play in, you know, these upcoming games here at home. Well, you never know, but Byron has his own problem. So it's an ongoing thing. Right. It's an ongoing thing. You just don't want to see that trend kind of creep out into other areas where hits of that nature still take place. But you know, to your point, you know, he defied the odds, came back after being pulled by the concussion spotter, and he did not miss the upcoming game in uh, Detroit, which we'll go ahead and shift to now, I guess. Uh, uh, this past Friday, the Avs hosted the Red Wings at Ball Arena, beginning their three-game homestand. The Avs would race out to a 3 nothing lead on goals by the returning JT Comfer, the still-existing Andre Burakovsky, and a nice breakaway goal by former Red Wing Darren Helm. To end the night for Thomas Grice, bringing in Alex Nedeljkovic, between the pipes for Detroit. Back-to-back goals by former friend of the show, Vladislav Nemesnikov and Joe Valeno made it interesting, but goals by the aforementioned Nathan McKinnon, a second goal by Andre Burakovsky, and one by Sam Gerrard would put the game out of reach, with Kale McCarr icing things with an empty net goal for the 7-3 win, the third straight game in which the Avs would score seven goals. Darcy Kemper got the victory, but still had another weird equipment issue, but that was solved rather quickly which one would hopefully expect that by now after having gone through this so many times. That's truly bizarre. I have no idea. I, I really don't. It's like what four times and I know he didn't miss any game time that last. I mean, if it was, if it was still the skate blade thing, I mean, um, not the one in Detroit, but the one in, I guess it was, um, the Rangers game. That was, is the tie. Yeah, it was the tie to the bottom of his um, pillow. Um, and I, I, I still don't know honestly what 
what the problem with in the Detroit game was. They didn't mention it on the telecast, and nobody was talking about it afterwards. But it does seem to be different things now. I mean, maybe the, the problems are migrating up his leg or something. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the other issue was since nobody talked about it. But if it yeah, is weird. even, a I mean, in the Rangers game, he's sitting there on the ice with this pad off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the world is going on the refs over there like um we're not doing this so go fix it somewhere else <laughs> i know he must have like reputation now if he comes off for anything now it's gonna be like dude just go to the room well i mean the refs will give you you know I they'll know, give you 30 now. seconds but they're not going <laughs> to give you five minutes to fix it well you know if it's like carrie price or someone they're you know how the respect ladder goes. I it's really dumbfounding at this point. You would say it's the equipment managers. It is their job. Just make sure it works. But it is funny. It's still the same guy. If it was like a whole bunch of different issues for different people, then you would just say they're not ready or they're not preparing well enough. But like Jojo never has any problems. Right. Justice didn't have any problems. <laughs> so is he just wearing either like really old, really weird gear? I don't is there something he does to his gear that it just makes you wonder? But they have to get it solved because you can't have another disaster where he gave up a goal because of it again. Yeah, I mean and and that's sort of the difference between these last two and the and the the skate blade issue is, you know, both times with the skate blade, he, he gave up a goal. And, and in these cases, at least they've, they've limited the damage to just sort of. Well, the very last you know, one, some... he at least didn't leave the game. So that probably yeah. is a little nitpicky, but it's just that it's the fourth time that he had an issue. You have to count it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there are goalies that, either break or have the chin strap pop off constantly. Like I remember like Bernier always used to have his chin strap pop. We can use it um, strategically too, right? You're just like, yeah. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, I, I mean, it's, it's the tough part of having a goalie in hockey is that he's the guy that's on the ice you know, 20 minutes per period about. Um, so, you know, it's like he can't go off the bench and get it, you know, just retape his stick or play with his skates or whatever, you know. It's like he's out there until he's not, so. But all um, the others seem to have figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's not a widespread problem in the NHL. So, <laughs> figure it out. Um, but getting back to the game itself, you know, it, yeah, another explosion of offense, three goals each in the first two periods. Um, you know, and again, you know, you look at this, yes, all right, two of these teams are really bad and the Rangers may or may not be frauds. But, I mean, they, they just, they are scoring at will. And Hey, that part's fun, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice that it's a oh. lot of different guys, too. I mean, of course, you want to see your stars get on the score sheet every night, but it's always nice to see some other guys get rewarded, too. Yeah, I mean, Even Vlad and I were talking before the show. <laughs> yeah, Vlad and I were talking before the show. I mean, like, finding a scratch for this week 
it's really tough because like Jack Johnson had three assists. You know, Joe Steven had some points. I mean, it's like guys that never score were scoring this week. So. I know. Both of Joe's were total garbage time, though. So, yeah. I mean, nice, nice if it gets him going because I know every guy needs a little bit of confidence and see the puck go right. in the net. But it's not like, oh, boy, Joe has it figured out. But it, it could yeah. be step one of getting it figured out. And then and, and when Jack Johnson doubles his point total on the season during a week, you know, it's probably a pretty good week. Yeah, I mean his his game definitely has issues too. <laughs> Could be on <laughs> right. the table for a scratch, but um, you know, like Helm doesn't score much, but I guess every hundredth time on a, on a breakaway he does. Of course, against his old team, was just poetic. That was a really really nice score from him, and that was one of the times that Obey Kubel had amazing pass. I actually thought it was New Hook at first, and then it was like. <laughs> Holy cow, that was a big bell with that great uh, pass in the middle of the ice. I mean, Helm actually had two goals this week, so <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of week it was. Right. Eustis <laughs> Ananen has a career high with one assist. That's yeah. true. It was on Makar's, uh, I think it was on the breakaway power play goal he scored and, so yeah good yeah. for him and that curtis is, mcdermott got his first point with the avs on one of those logo goals against new york oh my god i thought one of them he almost tipped it i think it was on sam's goal i was like oh my god if mcdermott tipped this goal and took it away from sam <laughs> <laughs> i guess this is where we need to have the mcdermott conversation because a he's obviously still around b He's still like the first extra player that they have. So anytime anybody's out of the lineup, he just gets to play. I guess now they've decided to leave him at forward, which is better for everybody. But in that, um, the Rangers game, he played three minutes. Now he did get thrown out halfway through the third period because I think the ref sense that there could be retribution for McKinnon, which I don't think was going to happen because all he was doing was getting involved in a scrum where Gerard got, he sort of fell on the goalie and then that got them mad, which is, he fell on the goalie on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, it's Sam. Give me a break. But I get it. Like teams do get pissy about what happens on their goalie, whatever. And so then he happened to be on the ice and he, from and they were just like nope we're nipping this in the bud which i get but come on he had played four shifts before that so if you say well he only played three minutes because he got kicked out come on and then in the detroit game he only played five minutes it's like what are we doing here guys we've seen multiple fights we saw landy fight again what has Landy fought three times this year? At least twice. Yep. I think it's three. Just whatever perceived or wanked importance that he has, it's just not happening. Oh, and also, I was watching the Detroit broadcast because I can't do altitude right now. And McDermott took mm-hmm. out Lucas Raymond, the guy that in the running for the Calder. He came back. Though. He did. He did. And I hope he's okay. He probably is. But he missed like the whole period. So it's not like it was nothing. 
because he was going off on a change and oh McDermott just so happened to clip him with his leg funny how those things happen I mean that's just stuff you don't want to see that's horrifying you know and and that's the the tough guy quote unquote contribution that he makes you know he's he's never in there in the the stick up for guys fights was because one is because he's not on the ice and two like the other teams just won't fight him and it's just it's sad that we're here months into the season and we're basically at where we were at when the season started with regards to him well we're actually i mean it's different now because now now he's a forward i think pretty much permanently and jb just seems to like him there um well he's better there he's easier to to mitigate the damage no but i mean bednar seems to like having him in the lineup he does he, he i mean he can say whatever he wants to say when you play a guy five minutes that's all you need to say about what you think about a player. I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't sound like he'd rather have someone else. I think he, I mean, how would you not when you're playing a guy five minutes, do you give a guy two shifts a period that says all you need to know about what he thinks about a guy. You don't think that his lineup would be better with a real player, somebody that can at least play eight, 10 minutes, a guy that has skill no, I don't think he wants that. I think he wants McDermott for five minutes. I find that hard to believe, but we'll see if he ever is given an option here. If Maltsev and McDermott are available to him, what he's going to do about that. I'm kind of inclined to agree with Earl because just looking at McDermott's usage, he has been pretty consistent in that five-minute range. So I think... Bender's using him because they have to because of the trade, but he wants to try to at least mitigate any catastrophic outcomes beyond a five minute usage with him. It's rare that we're going to see, you know, him get the the assist like he did on the O'Connor goal on a consistent basis. But I think Earl, you have a good point where he's there at forward to mitigate the damage where being on defense where you're going to have Braden Shen deke him out of his jock on route to the, you know, on route to scoring a goal. When you consider that kind of alternative, I think he played, yeah, you I can't did, bench him. Play, I think he did play defense. When was it the Ottawa game? He did play. Defense. Was, yeah. Whichever the one before McDonald got called up. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, I think they would much rather not play him at defense. Um, and you know, that, that is encouraging. Um, but the fact that they feel that he is a deterrent or whatever, I don't think they do. um, I mean, I just, the reason why he's playing so much is a lot of the nights he is literally the only guy left because they refuse to carry extras. Like I said, with Maltsev on the roster, if Kadri really does come back, are they willing to have another option for Benar. But then again, if they if the Avs just sent Maltsev back, that's not necessarily Benar's doing, then he's playing the only guys available to him. I just don't think that he's the one saying, yeah, let's leave him here. I want to play this guy five minutes. I think he's just, he's given 20 players. That's the reality he has to deal with. 
and so he's going to play them. If he's given options and he continue and he makes the decision to play McDermott and have a real player sit on the bench, then or not on the bench in the press box, then then I'll say, yeah, this is something Benar wants. But until then, I can't agree with that. That's fair enough. Sure. But I, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're going to see it with Maltev this week. Um, you know, he, he was called up today for tonight's game against the Panthers. And, uh, you know, they do need him with both Kadri and, and Gabe out. <clears throat> but, you know, Kadri's supposed to return perhaps against the Rangers on Tuesday. I would say, you know, if that doesn't happen, then – you know, it's it sounds like it's day to day enough that he would play in Nashville or something like that. I yeah. Um, I do so at that point, that- we're going to find out. Like, are they going to send Maltev down as soon as Kadri's back? Um, Which they shouldn't. They need an extra player. The Eagles are going to be on the road this week, and I know they don't particularly care about this, but it's just so. Silly. They left the Eagles with nineteen players last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so silly to me that you can't just have one extra player. Like I'm, we're not even talking about having several and having a 23 man healthy roster. Just have one for God's sakes. It's just mind boggling to me. Yeah. If they were recurring cap space, which they were not, um, and they, they will not, um, at this point, um, you know, then, then it's something, that you're kind of questioning, you know, why are you doing this? Or at least give yourself an option. Like other teams actually trade out their bottom six or their third pair defense by choice. And the, the abs never do this. No, they hate it. <clears throat> but I, I don't know. I, my, my gut feeling tells me that, that McDermott is part of the top 12. Um, until Gabe and Kadri are both in the lineup and there are no more injuries, which may never may happen. Ne- yeah, it may never happen. But at least give yourself a choice of one extra real player. And Maltsev deserves... Like, he's been down for a while. He's been down since that Tampa game in October. So he's been down for almost two months. He deserves, like, an actual chance. It'd be really disappointing if he just gets like tonight and then Kadri's back on Tuesday and then Maltsev goes right back. Then the Eagles go on the road and then the Avs have no extra players for the whole week. It's just stupid. They're going on the road too. They're going the opposite direction to Nashville. Like, why can't you just bring one extra player? They're only going to Nashville for one game. Well, I mean, sure, it, but it, if something happens, it's just <laughs> your shit out of luck. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the way they look at it. Like, oh, got to play with nineteen tonight. That's the way it goes. Um, you know, I think if they could bring Maltev up and keep him up at, on an emergency basis, like that's something that would appeal to them and, you know, with no cap hit. Well, no, the emergency recall always has the cap hit. It would be like the emergency exception, which it didn't even use when they went one skater short. I don't remember what game it was. I think it was the Ottawa game that Kadri didn't play, but then they didn't even need it the next game. They didn't even use their one emergency for the next game. It's just 
playing this roster chicken makes no sense to me. And I think you're not putting out the best quality lineup you can. You're not giving yourself the quote unquote best chance to win because you refuse to have a quality alternative with you. When they were forced think- to have the taxi squad was like the best thing that could have that ever happened to them. And it's because they were forced to do it. I just, I, I don't think they really, they really care about guys that aren't in the, the top, you know, seven or eight forwards and top four or five D. Um, you know, I, I think they're fine with a guy that's just going to play a few minutes. You know, they're, they're just going to, they, they want to play the top players a lot. Well, sure. Of course, every team does, but, McDermott is a detriment to their own team, to their own winning. And maybe not when they're scoring seven goals, but to constantly pretty much just write off an entire position in your lineup over and over again, night after night, it is going to matter. There's a reason why all 18 of your skaters matter. You can't, can't just say we're good enough to win the cup with our 17 best skaters. It's ludicrous. It's absurd. You need everybody. You need as many bits of talent in working in your favor night after night. And it's I don't it's something that I, I just I think they're looking at it like they're scoring seven goals a night and McDermott's not a defenseman and a liability that way. So why worry about well, it? Well, there's a lot of things that you can write off when you're scoring seven goals a night. Right. <laughs> right. All they're doing right now is really just relying on the fact that they can mask him for the time being. To your point, Jackie. But what uh, you know, let's talk about the you know, the injury situation a little bit more. It was reported by Peter Barr earlier today that uh, Landis Gog's going to be out for two weeks, which would track him to return after the holiday freeze, which would be an away game at Vegas on the twenty seventh. So we'll see how the lineup is adjusted without him, and you know at left wing for the next little bit. We don't, we, as we've already kind of discussed, we don't know what's going to go on with Kadri. We've mentioned Maltsev coming up. The The injury thing, it's it's going to be a real weird carousel, for lack of a better term. You, you can think of that in terms of the merry-go-round, or if you want to talk about uh, a flavor of science fiction movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously a contact sport. Injuries happen, but it's just, so many good players is the thing that you're constantly going from McKinnon, Landeskog, Kadri, and then they just can't have their ideal defensive lineup ever. So I guess that's just never going to happen. Like I said before, it is, it gets depressing. Then when all you see, you think of it as you can look at the bright side and say it's an opportunity for somebody else. And then they just don't call anybody up and they just use McDermott anyway. It's that's also what makes it depressing. I mean, if they're using bad guys and losing it, I'd be upset about it. But you know, I yeah, I like McDonald. Cares- I think McDonald has played well this week. Um, you know, he still doesn't have a lot to show for, and he's you know he makes some errors. I think um, McDonald's interesting because I think he's definitely not as good as some people think he is, but. In a limited role, when he plays about 12 minutes, he can give you an interesting 
I don't know if I quite want to say spark, but he gives you an interesting element in that third pair because he can move the puck. He does have bring an element of chaos, which may or may not work in your favor, but usually, I guess usually chaos is a good thing if it's on your side. So, like, he, he is a net positive, I'd say. Now, is he somebody that you want in that position for weeks, months? I don't know, but they really don't have any alternatives. Like, after McDonald, what are you, you going to have, like, the Jordan Gross conversation? They're not going to use Justin Barron. So, then it starts to get real scary. Right. I mean, I, I think it's... I think it's kind of been demonstrated that you you have to have like EJ and, and Jack Johnson playing with guys that can, you know, be a little quicker and, and have the puck skills to move the puck. Um, yeah. And when McDonald EJ and JJ least, were playing together. Yeah. They were, it's just not good. Or when, when JJ was playing with McDermott, you just can't have that. Um, and McDonald on the third pair allows you to use sort of McDonald, Jack Johnson, and, and have that be uh, somewhat productive. And then you have EJ with Sam at that point, and that makes EJ a lot better. I mean, you look at EJ this week, and freed from Jack Johnson's binds, you know, he goes and scores a bunch of points. Um, and, you know, nobody's bitching about him like they were two weeks ago when, when he and Johnson were together. So. <clears throat> Um, you know, I, I hope that's sort of a contrast that the defensive staff have been looking at just for the, like, you know, we, we can't have a third pair like that. That's not good. Um, you know, you, you can't have that sort of Nemeth, Nemeth mentality. <laughs> um, it doesn't work out. So, you know, I'm fine with McDonald, you know, being that sort of Ryan Murray stand in. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe after the, uh, all-star Olympic break, you know, maybe at that point they might be comfortable calling Baron up. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough to tell right now. It's, it probably wouldn't be a great thing to bring him up right now. You know, he does do some nice things down in, in Loveland, but you can tell he's still working on his game. Um, you know, that's ultimately what. If if that was sort of your plan going into the playoffs, like if Murray's just done for the whole season, <clears throat> and you you finally get comfortable enough to put Baron on the third pair for the playoffs, I mean, I, I think that could be really nice. But um, you're right; it you know if it's not McDonald right now, it's scary, <laughs> really scary. So then I guess I I say that I don't mind them using him. Because I agree, there is a better. And also the part, you need somebody on that third pair that has puck skill. It's just a necessity at this point. Yeah, and I, I think what you said about chaos is a strong point too. I, I think what a lot of people are looking at defensively with the Avs and saying that it's bad defense, it's not. It's, it's chaos. And I think that's what's allowing them to score so much. Um, I was I was looking at some of Sheldon Keefe's comments before they played the Leafs, and he was saying they're extremely difficult to defend because once you get out of their zone, there's basically no positions. 
you know, it's just five guys out there and it, it's not two defensemen and three wings. It's, it's basically five guys skating around and that's very chaotic. It's very tough to design a system that's going to cover that other than a, a straight up man to man system, which we know doesn't work that well in the NHL. <clears throat> um, and I think that's part of the reason that the abs are scoring so much, but I do think the drawback to that is it's not just chaotic outside of the defensive zone. It makes it chaotic inside their defensive zone. And I think that makes the goalies look worse than they are. And I think that makes the defensive numbers as far as sort of shot quality and quantity against look bad at times. Um, and I, I think that's just something you've got to be willing to deal with. Um, if you're the AV staff, you're looking at the playoffs the last three years, and it's like they tried to be really tight defensively, good playoff hockey and all that, and it just hasn't worked. Well, um, we know that Bednar wants him to tighten up on the defensive. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they have to learn to play inside this style a little better defensively. But I, I, I think if if you're the staff and you're looking at the last three years in the playoffs, you're looking at it like. You know, our problems really weren't defensive. Our problems were scoring. And we've got to get comfortable with being able to score five, six, seven goals on any given night, even in the playoffs. And if this, you know, if what we're seeing now is kind of um, the system and the, the style they want to play um, going into the playoffs, you know, I, I think that's great. I think that that would give them a much better shot to win a cup than suddenly trying to turn into the 2001 abs and just never score and never let anything win. I'd feel better if they could keep up the scoring against good teams. Yeah. There's a lot of bad I mean, teams that they've hung the goals on. And, and I have been saying, you know, we need to take some more teams seriously and there's always that you can only play who's on your schedule and this and that but i don't know if it's a good formula against good teams we'll we'll see tonight florida's obviously a very good team this year so that's going to be a big test for me can the Avs score like that against a team like that now i know florida can score too so it could go either way it could be that both teams are very mindful and play good defense, or it's going to be another shootout. You're just going to be playing a much better offensive team, and we'll see who comes yeah, like out. Yeah, I, I would love tonight's game to look like nine to eight at the end. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it could definitely happen. It would be nice to outscore a team that has really good firepower, but I just I'm not sure that that's really going to be sustainable. I completely agree that they have to figure out how to score at will or in a lot of different situations in the playoffs because they got shut down. I mean, that's exactly what happened. So there probably needs to be a little bit more of a happy medium because I think they were poor defensively, especially from the forwards. But I also agree with that. A lot of the times it's when they've been in the zone for a while and it just seems like their coverage totally breaks down. And, and I guess that happens. That's why you want to get out of your zone quickly all the time, but it just seems like they can't even figure out who to cover anymore when they're in the zone that long. So, like I said, if they could just find a little bit more of a happy medium, if, if 
they're a better scoring team and they give up a little bit more, that's one thing. But then we're also going to need to see better goaltending. So do you just think the goaltending issue is just them being a little bit more chaotic or does the quality overall need to go up there? I mean, I, I, I think it would be tough for any goalie to get used to a system like this. Um, especially a goalie coming in from another organization like Kemper has. Um, but, you know, you kind of look at, like JoJo seemed a little more used to it, and I, I think his problems were mainly just a consistency, consistency thing. But if you look at the way the Eagles are playing this year, they're they're doing very similar things as far as lots of chaos um, positions just becoming fluid with defensemen deep in the zone and kinds of things like that, joining the rush, pinching, and all that. I also so think, I think it gets very. I think Annan was a little more used to it than than just any old goalie would have been. Well, the interesting test will be Frank. I really am curious yeah. to see what Frank will look like on the Avs. Well, to that point, yeah, the goaltending for the Avs has not been stable all season long. So if you look at coming up here almost within the last, since they went to the Pacific Northwest to play Vancouver and Seattle, it's really just been kind of a a, a potpourri of you know Kemper and Ananin and JoJo for these last three weeks. So the there's been a lot of fluidity chaos since that's the term that we've been uh, using here. There's been a lot of chaos between the pipes. So hopefully that starts settling down as the Avs head into the holiday break with these next two weeks where Kemper finally, you know, gets a nice uh, stretch of games where he's not having to worry about his equipment where he can find some consistency against maybe some, a mix of good and, lesser quality teams like you know uh the buffaloes and the detroits while getting his opportunities against the the tampas and the bostons and the florida's here so i think this is going to be he's of course not going to play all these games here the next couple of weeks but it'd be nice to see him start getting some consistency here as we go forward and of course frank's going to be you know a the key like he's been out since that preseason game against Dallas. What do the Avs have in him? Which, of course, we've talked about before, is what what do they have in him now? With JoJo now being on waivers, we kind of need to see what Frank is, because if Frank still can't go, and for whatever reason, if someone gets a wild hair and decides to claim JoJo, then we're looking at Ananin as the number three. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. I I like JoJo enough that... I would still be comfortable if he needs starts here and there. And it will be really interesting to see how they plan to manage it in the AHL because they've been pretty clear they want Annan to get a lot of starts. But if you have your NHL number three there, you have to start that guy too. And I'd be fine. Like, I think all the work that Annan got in the fall, I, I think that makes it if, it, if they kind of worked a tandem, um, you know, we're on any given weekend. You have JoJo getting a start and Annan getting a start. I think that can work now, right? Because um, he's he's had a lot up to this point, right? 
But um, I, I really feel like Frank is the X factor because I always felt like he was a talented goalie and and then he was on par with Grubauer and, and he was better than Grubauer at certain points and not just not just in the sense of like, oh, we always love the backup quarterback, the backup goalie. Yeah, I mean, Frank won NHL Star of the Week twice in a row uh, when Gruby got hurt a couple of years ago. And I don't think he necessarily should take Kemper's job, but I think he should push him. Like, I think competition's healthy, and I think Kemper needs to prove that he's better. Like, he shouldn't just be handed it. Frank should get an opportunity, and if he he's on a roll and he's doing better, then I wouldn't mind him kind of taking the reins at certain points because having two starter quality guys is what you're going to need down the stretch really if you have that going into the playoffs if you have both of them playing well both of them at starter quality level then you're ahead of the competition so that's what I really hope transpires over the next few months and and hey if if Kemper's still inconsistent and Frank's just doing a better job and so be it. I think we saw it in November, and granted, all all the teams we played in November were pretty bad, but you know, Kemper did get on a roll when he was getting consistent time, wasn't injured, wasn't having problems with his skates and whatnot. You know, he won five games in a row. Um so I think that's you know, I, I think that's something that he probably needs is is consistent play and usage. And I, I think he can do that if now that we're on an every other night kind of schedule, I, I think that if you play Frank every fourth game or something like that, <clears throat> you know, depending on how the back-to-backs fall, um, you know, that's that's going to work out fine for both guys. And if Frank earns more than that, you know, that then then you then you got to think about it. But um, I know it's a balance. You don't you don't want to undermine Kemper. I'm definitely not wanting that but think you have two talented guys and you should be willing to go with whichever one is playing the best right and you know for those that, that don't know frank was just with the eagles for four games he had a terrible first period of his first game in two years gave up three goals on nine shots and then gave up three goals on the next hundred shots um so you know, after shaking the rust off, he looked really ready. And I, I I think that he needs to play, you know, either the Rags game or, or Nashville this week, just, just so you can get an idea of what you got. Yeah, I think so, too. I was there in Loveland for the game last night. I thought he looked really good. I mean, he was tracking pucks in traffic. He was stopping some really good shots. Like, uh, redirections down low, like all the stuff that you want to see. So he looked good. He looked healthy. He played four four games over the last two weekends. So what, ten days or so? Um, if he stays healthy, I still think he's a good goalie. So I am happy he's back and and want to see him in the NHL. Let's move to some stars and scratches. <laughs> Jackie, you want to go first today? Oh, boy. Oh, Oh, geez. It is hard because 
because we saw mostly all wins tweak and a lot of guys score. But I think I want to give my star to Sam. <laughs> because I can. <laughs> and I think he stepped up his game too. Like he scored. I know he scored the one goal. Didn't he have two goals this week? He scored that really nice one against uh, Detroit. Just he's been quietly putting up production. And I think he's a big part of this defense. And I still think the thought that he's expendable is insane. And he does a lot of heavy lifting. Like, it's funny when you watch the Rangers and, like, Fox is, is like, just their number one guy. He has the puck all the time. Like, he's the guy that's moving the puck, passing. Like, you can see why he has so many points. Just because if there's offense, he's pretty much in the middle of it. But with the abs, it's like the roles are a little bit more um, delegated. Like, McCarr doesn't do everything. You still have Taze. You... But Sam is still an important part of this, this machine. And I think when they're winning quietly, he's behind a lot of it. He's behind facilitating a lot of the offense, playing a lot of minutes. And so with... An overall good week of everybody where I don't think they're truly like a, a real obvious standout. I think he deserves little recognition. Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the best endorsements you can say is that EJ was being complained about nonstop until they put him back with Sam because of injuries and whatnot. And now people aren't really talking about him anymore. So it, it's you know, it's partially you're just going to be playing with better players when you're on the second pair as opposed to the third pair. But when you put EJ with someone like Sam, you're going to get a lot more out of him than they did. So, yeah, we need Sam. We will always need <laughs> Sam. <laughs> the end. Um, I have a bunch of stars. I I'm going to go with Newhook. Um, just because I think he was he was on a bit of a a plateau, maybe even a slide uh, coming into this week. You know, he he, he kind of stopped scoring a little bit. Maybe he wasn't having the the best types of games that that we like to see. But um, you know, he really did well this week. I mean, scored in all four games, three goals, two assists. Um, I, I think he's animating the bottom six like he he really needs to. I mean, the Avs need him to do that. They need him to be a guy that's going to bring energy and speed down there. And, and yeah, like you know, some of the some of the goals he's been scoring, like the handsiness. Um, you know, I I think that's that's a really underrated part of his skill set. Like everyone can see, he's speedy, has decent vision, good power play player, but it's like his hands are so quick. Like the puck can just leave his stick before you can even think about it. And, you know, he was able to make some passes this week and, you know, weren't all for setups for goals or whatever, but creating scoring chances. Um, you know, th this is a guy that, you know, they really need to be getting better and better and better. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that this week. Yeah, I liked his week too. I think 
it was Toronto and Montreal, the bottom six, and he was part of that. It wasn't just him, but the bottom six wasn't good in both of those games. Yeah. And and I think I think he got a little bit demoted maybe in that Montreal game, but then exactly like you said, he bounced back. He just makes things happen. Like he's not necessarily driving the bus all the time, but he can just find a loose puck, make a quick pass. And you describe probably why he's so good on the power play up from that left circle, just because he can shoot it so fast. And, and then the goalie just can't, he's not going to get over in time. So I would love to see that come to fruition on power play one someday. Like I know everybody has their spots and everything. And like McKinnon's on the left side, but new hooks a little bit more higher up on top of the circle in the spot but i guess that's a complaint for another day probably when they don't have goals anymore they're gonna have to start generating offense that would be one thing i would try because new hook is just he's power play gold it's been like that at every level it was like that in the ahl in college he just has some sort of magic from that spot and you're gonna need it when it really counts but in general i like him on that i think he's a good match with abe kubel it seems like they either play with Jost or I even thought Comfort was somewhat decent, but Comfort really trailed off in that Detroit game. So. It sure did. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Definitely not... looked like he hadn't played in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I understand that part. I'm, I'm not going to rag on Comfort just yet. There's plenty of time in this season for that. But in the early shifts they had together, it was like, hey, this could actually work. So. If it does, that could be an interesting combination. And, um, yeah, like, New Hook just keeps finding production. That's great. And it is something they're going to need from their bottom six for sure. Now, I know a lot of people want to see, especially when you start talking about Kadri out, like, is New Hook ever going to get elevated to the second line? Is he ever going to be the 2C? Would you do that right now? Or do you just keep rolling with his maybe finding some consistent success in sort of that third pair or third line role. I mean, I wouldn't do it tonight against the Panthers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then who just, else is going to be 2C? Are we talking about Comfer? <laughs> I'm afraid so. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully the rest you know, is gone. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I just... You know, I, I do like what he's been doing is is the third center and, and getting his power play time and even a shift or two on PK every once in a while. I just – I wouldn't mess with that too much just because if you have a, a guy that's a rookie and he's making progress with what you're doing, I, I don't think you want to mess with it just yet. Um, it's, it's not a situation where you're like he's being underused or – He's just not not in the right situation. I, I do think what he's the situation he's in is good for him right now. I think so too. I would mind seeing a few more minutes, but it's definitely refreshing that they can take a forward that isn't just set and forget top six and hopefully grow him into something. This is certainly new territory for them. And I have an honorable mention. I, a lot of people have been talking about Taves with his uh, four-game multi-point streak. Um, 
you know, I, I think I think he gets enough accolades. He's not a forgotten guy or an invisible guy. Um, but it, it's pretty impressive, sort of what he's done this week. And you know, goal and eight assists in four games. Um, you know, they're they're a bunch of Timmies in there and stuff like that. So it's it's you know, it's not as amazing as it sounds, but just the consistency he brings. I, I think that really helps out in many ways, not just playing with Kale, but. Um, sort of being a guy they can count on to do things when no one else is available. So, um, yeah, good week for him. I definitely co-sign that. Yeah, he's um, definitely doesn't get the flashy moments like the others do, but I think you're right. It's the kids and the high level could see that makes the D better for sure with him there you have a star vlad well since both of you have said everything that you've needed to say about devon taves i have <laughs> nothing to say about my star because you two already said it for me <laughs> that really was going to be my pick too i was like who's going to be my pick this week for stars and scratches no, i thought about this is a good one because we don't always talk about him and he does deserve some love yeah, and he's done. He's done a remarkable job at, for all the reasons both of you have highlighted on the goal and eight assists. He's been a very consistent presence on that blue line, and I mean that goal was a ridiculous shot from distance too. It was incredible. That was just it, I was blown away when I saw that go in on uh, you know in that Ottawa game. That was absolutely outstanding. <clears throat> but he, you know, he. You know, points are great and everything. And, you know, of course, he's, you know, factored in on that offensive side of things. But the, he, he's really become that consistent model where, you know, like it's been brought up where he's not the flashy guy. He's not, you know, the, the household name. But if for whatever reason, the household names aren't there or available to do the job, he he can do that. He can fill in that p- position in a pinch. Yeah, I mean, it, I... I I haven't looked into the PK numbers just because I I really can't bear to look at it. But, (laughs) um, you know, I'm sure that when he's out there, things are just a little bit better than than if you have EJ and JJ out there together. Um, You know, I I think that for, for what the Avs are trying to do on the PK, like having the skill to recapture the puck and get rid of it quickly out of the zone, Something that you know, it's, it's it's pretty important. You see, a lot of times JJ will get the puck and it he'll soft clear it and it won't make it out and, and things like that. And that just you know, it's a feedback loop when you do that. When when you have a clear and you don't make it, you know, it really puts a lot of stress on everybody out there. So, um, you know, you, you need to have someone with skill back there. You know, we've seen Sam back there a little bit, even Carr too. And, you know, it's like when, when you're putting those kind of guys on your, your penalty kill that have a little bit of skill, it, it just makes it better. It's like how McCarr got the empty net goal. I don't think we talked about that in the Detroit game. It was like, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like the most threatening empty net situation, but it still was a threat. And... I think they iced it a couple times, and they just... Helm iced it twice. Yeah, 
Yeah, and they put Makar <laughs> out there finally, and it was just like, hey, I got this. <laughs> it's going in the net. And and that sealed the deal, right? So it just it makes such a difference when you can have somebody that just has an extra bit of puck skill in those type of situations. Because you do think of the penalty kills like blocking shots, clearing the crease, but what it's really about is clearing the damn puck. And it's usually the skilled guys that have the quick enough hands and the skill and they're able to aim it and get it out. I mean, Jack Johnson's not bad at, at, at puck battles, but it's like if he does win the puck battle, it's it's still not a foregone conclusion that something good is going to happen. Right, and a lot of times those cleared but not outs are even worse because you're just basically giving the other team a free reset. And I have some more honorable mentions. I'm, I'm sorry, lad. I, I'm sorry for taking yours. But <laughs> um, go for it. You know, we, Gabe's injured, and that sucks because he was on a ten-game point streak. Um, you know, I think I, I, he catches a lot of flack. Like a lot of a lot of times, I'll see people like, "Oh, Landy's so bad tonight." <laughs> you know, it's like he falls down a lot. That's just you know, it's like <laughs> if that bothers you, I haven't been watching for the last ten years. That's just what he does. But sometimes, uh, though, he's he's just like not there. It just seems like yeah. There are there's a few nights he's not on, and and it is hard for the team to overcome. Like if he's playing yeah. bad defensively, and he's making turn, he's turning the puck over, making bad passes. Then you're like, oh geez, <laughs> like the rest of them just aren't good enough to overcome overcome bad Landy. But I agree with you; it's not often. Yeah, um, and it's you know. If you take things just sort of over a long period of time, you know, what he does is very important to me. You know, being out like for two weeks, you know, someone was joking, like, there goes his 100 point season. I mean, like, yeah, he was, you know, he was getting on pace for that. I mean, it was, you know, he's been scoring a lot of points. And, you know, like I said, he's had two fights over the past few weeks. Um, and that's something. You know, however you feel about whether that energizes the team or whatever, the kind of fights that he gets into are all sort of, hey, you're not going to mess with my guy. You know, whether it's Mac or a, a, what was the other? A, the other one was O'Connor, or yeah, yeah, um, the O'Connor thing, right? So, you know, I, I think that that gives a great boost of confidence to everyone on the team. You know, it's like, oh, the captain's standing up for me. You know, it's like I'm going to go out there and play my ass off for him. Um, well, that's so, the sort of physicality that I don't mind. It's in the moment. Yeah, it's it's sticking up for a teammate. It's not about being like goonish or whatever. That's part of the physicality of the game, and right. and that does lead to where you think it matters and it energizes the bench and things like that. Yeah. So I mean, that's <clears throat> that that's an important thing. That's that's sort of I, I I think the effects of that on the score sheet are not directly attributable to Gabe, but um, you know they help a lot. I mean I I honestly think like he's probably helped out O'Connor a lot when O'Connor's playing up on the top line that kind of thing. 
Um, so it's you know it's going to be it's going to be tough without without Gabe for the next couple of weeks. But at least, well, knock on wood. At least we have Nuke. I think you got to have at least one of them. Yeah. I guess my honorable mention we go to Obi Kubel. But we've already talked about him, but he's left an impression on me. I don't know why I'm not predisposed to really liking the the waiver boy, but I like what he does. So, I, and I think he had a good week. I, I mean, I think I, I think a guy like Obey Cabell is is it's a he's a lot different than your basic Jason Magnon waivers kind of thing. I know. Maybe I'm just um, so thankful it's not Sherwood that it's <laughs> just right. This is so much better. Um, you know, and a lot of people have said, you know, this is sort of like picking up a Matt Nieto, and it is because I mean, Matt Nieto was, you know, he was honestly a, a tried and true NHL player when the Ants picked him up a few years ago on waivers. Um, you know, and, and it's pretty rare you get a guy like that. Like, I remember when I saw that Obey Cabell was on waivers, I was like, yeah, that's you know, I I, I hadn't really followed what he'd been doing since Philadelphia or since the, the playoffs two years ago in Philadelphia. But I was like, wow, he seemed really good in the playoffs. Why are they waving that guy? You know, and then I remember Alain Vignola was coaching the team. And <laughs> so that's probably what happened. You know, the Avs got a free good player. Yeah. It's a lot better than a grinder. My honor roll mention, we'll keep it Philly centric is going to go to that uh, the goodest of boys that took a squat <laughs> on the Philadelphia logo at center ice during the Evs pregame skate. Maybe it was good luck. Maybe we should get their Maybe own dog. <laughs> Why can't we have a St. Bernard beat? Like a real one. Wouldn't that be It's cute? a Bernese Mountain dog. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) One of the two, as a puppy, make it happen. I'd be all for that. Other teams are doing the same thing, so we should have been on this train a long time ago. Yeah, we need more puppies. Uh, So collectively, because it was, you know, pretty good week all around, should we just, you know... Take a flyer uh, and just kind of spin the wheel on scratches or just give it a pass and come back next week. I mean, I honestly tried to think of one and I couldn't. Um, I think Berkey the, needs there, to There were guys that weren't awesome all yeah. four games, but... I mean, <laughs> I'd say just a quick quick mention, you know, they didn't need more from like Jack Johnson. He's a little inconsistent. I think Berkey, and he did have the goals, which, which is good for him. Usually that Yeah, all- Berkey saved his week against Detroit. <laughs> But he needs to be better. Um, but yes, all in all, you can't really complain with like seven points in a week, especially with everybody scoring. So everyone did something positive. You know, McDermott's like an eternal scratch. But we've talked about him. With an assist. <laughs> and we could just, um, you know, always scratch the refereeing, specialty teams and injuries. Like those could just be like permanent scratches. I was looking at the power play here and comparing it to 
all the way through Avalanche history. And right now, the power play is at its best efficiency rate if they continue for the rest of the season than they've ever had. Um, and last year was actually the best power play by efficiency they've ever had. You know, even the vaunted 95-96 team was, you know, percentage and a little bit behind them. Um, so you could say, you know, the Avs have probably never had a, a really good power play. They never had a a 25% power play over a season or anything like that. Last year's team was 22.7%. That's that's the best in team history. Right now they're 23.2. But we saw, the reason why I bring it up is we saw a lot of gross power plays this week. Like just not getting set up, not getting in the zone. I know not all of them are going to be a masterpiece. If you even get one power play goal a game, you're statistically ahead. But there was a lot of not good. And it doesn't matter when you score seven goals and you're winning every game. But when that stops, they're going to need some better power plays. I mean, even Edmonton probably looks bad once or twice a game, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's just the, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost like a, you know, a, a hitting in baseball thing where it's like you can be really good at it, but you're still going to fail a lot of the time. They just need some better setups. I mean, it's also helped by what the McCarr breakaway goal, new hook scoring on the power play twice. And yeah, it all counts. But if you're talking about your first unit looking competent, there was less of that this week than you'd like. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say like with the talent they have, they should be scoring at least 25%, maybe higher. But the fact of the matter is, they had Forsberg and Sackick and you know Ray Bork and yada yada yada, and still couldn't do better than twenty two percent. Oh, maybe they would have won more cups if they did. <laughs> but hey, it's not like a top level complaint this week. But it's something they should always be working to improve. Always be better. Yes. Speaking of better, let's get some better equipment management <laughs> or at least some better equipment oversights for Darcy Kepper, who's already had helmet issues, skate issues, skate lace issues. And a head issue. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And I, I, I wish I could ask a yeah, like, I, I know you're a Coyotes fan, Vlad, but I know you don't get to watch as many games as you like to. Like, did he ever have things like this happen to him in Arizona? This has never been a thing for right. him in Arizona. It was never a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 this is just so... It's bizarre. Just car- Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I, was, I was like, th- this is something you'd only see in, like, a, a cartoon. Really. It, like, you don't <laughs> see stuff like this in the AHL. Like, you don't, no, I, I, you I don't. don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's or like junior. you don't see this in college or juniors, really. I mean, it's just, this is like <laughs> the easiest thing not to happen. <laughs> Maybe it's him and his 20-year-old gear. Who knows? It's just... For those of for those of you that haven't connected the dots yet, I'm a very big Simpsons fan. So when you see stuff on the official BR Twitter, that's usually Simpsons related. That's coming from me. Uh, I'm reminded of an episode of The Simpsons when Bart and Lisa were playing hockey, and Milhouse, the, you know uh, Bart's blue-haired friend, ended up being put in goal, 
and they ended up tying him to the goal the goal mouth at one point during a game and he's trying to stop a, a the slow a slow moving shot from way out and Millhouse is so helpless he's just trying to he's reduced to just blowing air to try to stop this shot from going past him <laughs> is this the is this what we're going to eventually be reduced to maybe not quite such a level of cartoony theatrics but What's going to be next? Is it going to be his stick? Is it going to be his blocker? Is it going to be his, like, the cheater explodes on a glove save? Probably the mask. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I hope we got all this voodoo out. It has to end sometime, doesn't it? I mean, you just, I mean, I I know the Avs staff does everything possible to make sure the guys have, you know, the most ready and best equipment possible for every game. But it's just, I, you know, maybe he's just hard on equipment. It's it's tough. Time will tell. So the Avs are in the midst of a three-game homestand. They will be facing in a few hours from now the Florida Panthers to wrap up the season series. The Panthers took uh, the first game in Sunrise on October uh, 21st by a score of 4-1. to uh, Miko Rantanen getting the only goal in that game. I'm not sure if this was right before or just immediately after uh, Coach Quenville became former Coach Quenville it was due to the whole the whole thing. That yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. So uh, former friend of the show, Andrew Brunette, I believe he's is he running the ship right now down there? I think there so. is. So we'll see how that turns out. That is a 6 p.m. Uh, Denver start, which puts us again in just a few scant hours from now so don't expect this podcast episode to be published before that game starts so just come back to it after the game and say wow they really got it right or well i kind of said either or closer (laughs) blowout (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely going to be closer a blowout (laughs) (laughs) what a thrilling game regardless of the outcome (laughs) <laughs> I am interested to see a good t- to see what the Avs have against a good team. Yeah, and I, I'm interested to see what Maltsev looks like um, coming back from the Eagles. Uh, he, he like Newhawk, he has done what was asked of him down there. He's been a major contributor while down there. He's owned his game. He's learned the system. Yeah, there's nothing he, else for him down there. He's a third year pro. Like you have to figure out if if he's going to be an asset for this team or not. Yeah, and the way they used him, I think, prepared him um, to be in the NHL for the Avalanche in a way that he probably couldn't have been prepared for coming into camp. That is something that is, you know, I don't want to say it's optimistic to say he could stick, but, you know, I, I just think he's he's going to be better at not floating around <laughs> on the one shift you get after making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's going to be better involved with the play. I mean, uh, I do think the Avs play in a different way than most teams do. I, I don't think it's easy to go from, especially an Eastern Conference team, to playing with the Avalanche and, and fit right in. So I, I just, I think it's tough for a guy like him getting traded over the summer and then coming into camp, and it's just, it, it's just so different that you're you're learning so much over there, your time in camp, it, there's just not a lot of time to process it before you start 
uh, getting sent out for games. And it just, that's one thing he definitely didn't look that prepared when he was with the Avs in the early season. So, you know, I, I hope the preparation and the confidence will be there. And I hope he gets more than one game. I will be really disappointed if they send him back and they just try to roll with no extras. Like, he needs a real run. He Honestly, he needs through, like, when Landy comes back. If they're actually closer to healthy and and he's sort of a a real extra number by then is one thing, but they should give him, like, these two weeks for sure. But wish in one hand and see what comes up. (laughs) (laughs) The Avs wrap up the homestand on Tuesday uh, with round two of the uh, Kale Bacar, Adam Fox uh, Clash of Titans at Ball Arena at 7 p.m. Denver before heading out to Nashville on the 16th for their only away game of the week against the Predators. That is a 6 p.m. Denver start. And the Avs return home for a Saturday night uh, matchup against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. That is a 7 p.m. start Denver time before the Avs kick off the next road trip, which will be a four-gamer. But some of that will have a little bit of a break due to the holiday freeze, which will go into effect after the Avs wrap up their business against Boston on the 23rd. I think all the games this week are a good test. Like the rematch against the Rangers, I expect them to play a lot better. Um, sort of the same thing with Nashville. Like, um, that's the road game this week. So you kind of expect Nashville to play a little bit better in their arena. And then, then Tampa's always a, a tough test, I guess. They sort of put it in cruise control in the regular season a little bit themselves. But um, I know it was a tough game in Tampa a couple months ago. So. I think we'll have a little bit better idea of just where the Avs stand right now, considering their competition and just the different teams they're going to see this week. If McDermott crushes Stamkos, are you going to be happy about it? Revenge for Sam? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. What What a way to ask that. I will still say I hope whatever circumstance allows McDermott to not play in that Tampa game would be my first choice. My second <laughs> choice is yes, always stick up for Sam. I'd love to see maybe Miko he could do it himself. Him, you know? Wouldn't it be great if Miko fought Stamkos? <laughs> 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 Sam can hit fools. He can take care of himself. <laughs> All those fights against Alex DeBrinkett have prepared him for this single moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's excited to see Quinn Hughes again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, any last thoughts? Yeah, I think it'll be a fun week, you know, and Jackie's right. There's a lot of uh, tests. You know, I, I, I think the two teams from Florida, are, you know, they're – very good teams. I mean, Tampa wasn't that great when we played them, but neither were we. Um, but both have been kind of good since then. So it's, I, I look for a lot of excitement this week. And Jackie, how about you? Um, I guess we didn't bring up that, that spooky stat about how they, 
the Avs had the same record the last four years after 22 games. That is really strange. It's like the three years in a row under Q that they got 95 points. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess they're on track, even though the two years prior they had a six-game win streak after... The three years ago, they were in the middle of a six-game win streak. But the Avs already had a six-game win streak this year. So they're going to have to win a lot to sort of keep pace with the last few seasons. Which they could do. Just sort of interesting in a spooky way. But that's it. And until you hear our voices next time... Thanks for listening and we'll see you then.